Welcome to all those joining us for the Shvir and Chaim Aran. We dedicate the learning today, Leilu Nishmas Yosef Leib and Shmaryahu, whose yard site is today on the 23rd of Adar, and Leilu Nishmas Sarabas Shalom, whose yard site is tomorrow on the 24th of Yor. Leilu Nishmas Yemtefradl Bas Rabbi Shuaye, Harini Kapras Mishkova. We had taken a break a little bit because of a, a trip to Uman that Hashem gave me the privilege of making. Baruch Hashem, everything went very well, even though there was a, a scare a little bit. But Baruch Hashem, in the area in Uman where the Jews reside, there was no problem at all. And then Lag Boimer. We had Lag Boimer last week, Baruch Hashem. And now we resume where we left off. We were in the middle of a, a, a vision that Rabbi Nezal had told that he saw a story about an oireach, a guest, and a balabais. And we had started explaining the, this vision in the previous year. We'll add a couple of points now to it, and then we'll continue. For those that were here, this was three weeks ago, I believe, two or three weeks ago. Um, at one point... The, the guest was leaving and he and the Balabayas wanted to accompany him. The host wanted to accompany him. And he asked the guest, can you please explain to me how, what respect I'm supposed to show for you? Because he realized that this guest was somebody very, very special, a great tzaddik. And he said, I wanna know how to show you the proper respect. And I know part of showing respect is to accompany somebody when they're leaving. So the the, the guest told the host to accompany me right outside the house. And then the host expressed fear of it. He was afraid that if I'm, I'm going to go out of the house, I don't know if I'm going to be safe, etc. And the guest said to him, if I could harm you outside the house, then I can harm you inside the house also. And then the host goes, leaves out of the house with him. And then the guest picks him up and starts flying with him to very, very high places. And they're flying together. And at one point, the host is very cold. And the guest gives him a garment, a malbush. And they're flying. And then the, the host suddenly realizes that he's back in the house. And then he's flying again. And he's back in the house. Rabbeinazal, this is how Rabbeinazal described this vision. And in the end, he wasn't sure is this, this guest can't be human. He has to be somebody above, above a human being. So to, to explain a little bit of what our rabbis comment on this story, the concept of leaving the house means a person leaving their comfort zone. That in order for a person to come close to Hashem, to come close to the tzaddik, there are levels and levels of how far a person wants to go. And if a person wants to really have a true connection to the tzaddik, the person has to be willing to go out of their house, which means to go out of their comfort zone in order to make that connection. And this is why that the host ended up going with him. And as soon as he left his house, the, 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 the guest grabbed him and flew with him to a very high place, which means that a tzaddik has the ability and he has the right to take a person with him, even though the person is not on that level at all. The person isn't anywhere near the level that the tzaddik is on, but the tzaddik is allowed to bring him along in order to give him a taste 
in a sense, of the incredible high ruchni spirituality that the tzaddik experiences. Now, at one point, the host was cold. He needed a garment, meaning that he wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared to be able to receive that incredible high light. He needed a garment as a vessel, a tzimtzum, in which to be able to contain it. And the tzaddik was able to give it to him. He was able to give it to him. And regarding this, Rabbi Nezal spoke about this in Sichoi Soran, in Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom, paragraph 23. There, Rabbi Nezal says that, that people in this world recognize when somebody needs major help. They recognize the Rachmanis in this world when a person doesn't have food, the person doesn't have clothing. People realize that. And it's for this reason that these people pursue Gashmias. They work hard, they try to make money because they're afraid of being left without food, without clothing. And Rabbi Nezal says, if a person though thinks carefully and would realize the incredible Rachmanis on souls in the future world, because over there in the future world, sometimes, there are people who are naked, they don't have clothing, they don't have the clothing that they need over there, and, and over there it's almost impossible for anybody to help them. Because in this physical world, when a person doesn't have clothing, it's possible to take up a collection for them and, and make a garment for them. But in the future world, a person who doesn't have clothing, what? how can that person be helped in any way? because it's not physical clothing that the person needs. They need Torah and mitzvahs. And regarding that, all the pity in the world isn't going to help them. However, if a person is to come close to a true tzaddik, then the person can go to the tzaddik and receive a garment from him. And Rav Nosanzal says that I actually heard Rav Nosanzal speaking about this, that there are there are people that are outside. They're not able to go inside in the future world. And they scream, they cry, give us what to eat. And they're approached and they said, here's food, here's drink, eat and drink. And they say, no, 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 we didn't mean that. We didn't mean physical food. We meant Torah and mitzvahs. And so too, there are people who are outside and they're naked, they have no clothing, and they're screaming, give us what to cover ourselves with. And they come and try to offer them physical clothing, and again, they say, no, 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 this is not what we need. We need mitzvahs and meisim toivin. And here we find that Rabbi Nezal spoke about this in Chaim Aran, where Rabbi Nassau said that there is a, a Bezdin in Yerushalayim where all the Neshamas, when a person passes away and they leave the world, the Neshamas are taken to that Bezdin and there they decide where the Neshamas should go whether the neshama can go to Eretz Yisrael, or whether the neshama has to be outside of Eretz Yisrael, etc. 
And, and Rabbi Nassau said that there are times that a person comes there and there, the way that they're able to recognize the person's level, how good they were, how not good they were, is by the clothing that the person's wearing. And sometimes there are people that appear shum with wearing a garment that doesn't have a sleeve, it's missing a sleeve, or a person's missing another part of the garment. And therefore that's how they, they're able to tell that the, whether the person is complete or whole or incomplete. And, and if a person doesn't have the proper clothing, then the person or a person doesn't have any clothing at all, they could be sent to, to terrible, terrible places. But Rabbi Nezal said that, that a tzaddik has the right to come along and give the person a garment from one of his garments in order to be able to save the person. And Rabbi Nezal explained, but you would ask, what do you mean? The court, the judges can say, what are you doing? That's not his garment, that's your garment. Why should you be, why should he be able to receive your garment? And Rabbi Nassau compared it. He said, because I need to send him on a mission. He's my man. I need to send him on a mission. And when a person needs to send somebody on a mission, Rabbi Nassau said, sometimes you have a person, a wealthy person, who wants to send one of his servants to go to another wealthy person to deliver something. And he tells him, go and deliver it. And then he checks with him later and he sees he didn't go. Why didn't you go? He says, because I, I didn't have the proper clothing to appear there. It would have been very insulting to... So the, the wealthy person says, takes a garment and gives them, he says, okay, here, put this on, and now go and you can do the delivery. Rabbi Nassau said it's the same thing regarding the tzaddik. The tzaddik has the right to be able to say in a court of law, in a court of heavenly law, that I need him to do a mission for him, and therefore I can give him a garment. I'm allowed to provide him with a garment. Now, regarding the fact that we saw in the story that the, the host was flying with the guest, one minute he sees himself flying, the next minute he sees himself back in his house. He's flying, he's back in his house. Rav Nosanzal explains in Likutei Alochis that when a person comes close to a tzaddik, the tzaddik's on an incredible high level. And the tzaddik has the ability to give that person a taste of that high level with his Torah, with other, other ways that he brings the person close to him. And the person suddenly sees himself being completely different level than he was before, totally a, a different world. However, it's possible for the person to make a mistake and think that he already achieved that level himself and not realize that that's not his level. He's still where he was before. It's just that the tzaddik grabbed him and took him with him on a journey so that he's able to experience to a little bit of a degree the great light that the tzaddik is experiencing. But the person has to be very careful not to think that, oh, this means I'm already a tzaddik. I'm a tzaddik like that tzaddik because I'm experiencing this. And this is why he saw that one minute he's flying high, the next minute he's back home. Because what happens is the person leaves the tzaddik to go home or he, he, he lets go of that connection for a moment and the person sees I'm still in the same place. I still have the same challenges, the same desires, the same sinful thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. And the person wonders what's going on. Before I was, I, I, I thought I was already at tzaddik. I was experiencing all of these great highs and now I see I'm not. The answer is that again, the tzaddik has the ability to share with the person 
while the person is with the tzaddik, while he's in the presence of the tzaddik, or while he's studying the words of the tzaddik or following the advice, to share that high with the person. But it's important for the person to know that it takes years of the person working on themselves, studying and davening and doing all the things they need to do to prepare the vessels that they need for the person to attain those, the, the highest levels that they can for themselves. And, and how, do, how does one create these vessels? The answer is by fulfilling the, the advice and the guidance of the tzaddik, the, the getting up at midnight, the having hispoidus, the davening with kavana, the giving tzaka, all of these things are what give a person the garments, the clothing that they need for the person to be able to receive and, and, and really remain connected to a higher level, to a higher level of light. For now, I'd like to leave it at this regarding that, that vision. Any questions before we go on? The next item They get in the garden. What about someone that's hungry and thirsty? Does it mean also something or only a garden? I mean, why does the life question question we find Rabin as I spoke about that Sadiq giving the person a garment? He didn't talk about giving him food or drink. Those items mentioned. It seems that there's a difference. It seems that there's a difference between the two. That that when, when he spoke about the best and the cords, the way that they judge the person is based on the clothing, the clothing. To the degree that the person is missing parts of their clothing, that shows the person is missing part of their tikkun, part of what they were supposed to do in this world in order to complete themselves. Could be that the tzaddik could also provide food Food, but he, he doesn't speak about that. The next item, this took place in, in the year of Kuf Samachtes, 1808-1809. Rabbi Nezal said he had a dream in which he saw a gathering, a large gathering of Jews with a leader, with their leader who was world recognized. And the non-Jews had issued a decree to kill all the Jews. And this leader was trying to figure out what to do about this. And he came up with an idea that the, the right thing to do was to turn himself into a goy, into a non-Jew, to, 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 to make it appear as if he's a non-Jew. So he went and called a barber to shave off his beard and, and his payas. And then afterwards, they found out that it wasn't true, that there was no such decree. You could imagine the humiliation of this leader now it was impossible for him to show his face in public. <clears throat> so he had to figure out a way how to leave. But how do you go out of it? How could he go out of his house even? <clears throat> he was going to hire a, a wagon, a carriage, 
And, and Rabbi Nizal says he suffered tremendous shame and, and humiliation. And he had to stay for a period of time with a, with a goy until his beard grew back again. And this is, this is a vision that Rabbi Nizal was shown in a dream <clears throat> regarding leaders that weren't really authentic leaders, false leaders, that sometimes a person could appear as if they are a major leader, but when it comes to knowing what to do, knowing the right eights or being able to discern whether something's true or not, they don't necessarily have the ability because they themselves are not completely honest. In order for a person to be able to differentiate between emes and sheker, truth and falseness, the person themselves has to be completely honest, genuine, sincere. The next item, this was on a Friday night after Kiddush. Rabbein Azal told over that he had a dream, that he was in a city. And it seemed that this city was a, a great city. And there he came to a place where there was a, a great tzaddik, one of the old tzaddikim who was recognized as being a tzaddik. And everybody went to him. So Rabbein Azal said, I also went to him. And I saw that people were going to him, but they were passing by him without greeting him, without a, a respectful greeting. And it seemed as if they were doing this intentionally. So I was very surprised that people could have this kind of chutzpah to do such a thing, because this person is such a great tzaddik. So I asked them, how, how is it possible that people are acting with such disrespect? And the answer that I was given was that he really was a great tzaddik, but the body which he had was put together from many different places. And some of these places were unclean, unclean places. He himself was a great man and he had accepted upon himself to make a ticket for this body. And since there's a halacha, that when a person is in an unclean place, you're not allowed to greet them. You're not allowed to say shalom aleichem. You're not allowed to say the word shalom, etc. That's why they weren't greeting this person. We know that the Gemara and all these Sforim tell us that a human being is a combination of heaven and earth. The soul, the neshama comes from heaven. The body comes from earth, earthliness. And that's why the body is drawn to Gashmias, to, to materialism, to physical things. And, and depending, coming from earth, depending on how clean or unclean that earth is, and depending on, on the, Rav Nusenzal speaks about this, depending on the holiness with which the parents conducted themselves with, these are some of the things that will define how earthly, how materialistic the child that's born is going to be. And therefore, these are things that can affect a person in terms of to what degree, how easily a person is drawn to Kedusha or vice versa, how easily the person is drawn to the wrong things. Here, Rabbein Azal points out that this person was a great tzaddik and, and yet the body came, part of the body was coming from these kinds of places and, and this was reflected in the fact that people weren't showing him the, the kind of respect that would normally be shown to a tzaddik of his stature.
Rabbein once commented about this, that during his time, there were great, there were tzaddikim who, when they got older, they succeeded in their older age, when they reached 40, 50, 60, they succeeded in being able to overcome the desires, the materialistic desires, sinful desires, those kind of things. And Rabbeinazal said that he had worked so hard as a child, spending so many countless hours in tefillin, his spirit is crying to Hashem, that he was able to achieve this at a very young age, to be able to break out of all the wrong type of desires and to be able to elevate himself to a level of incredible purity. The next item, this is something Rabbeinazal told on a weekday. Rabbeinazal said that he had a dream that there was a wedding and there were many brides at this wedding. But there was one bride that stood out from among the others and everybody there considered her more important than the other ones. And there were musicians playing music. And Rabbeinazal said, I saw that a door opened and everybody was going into a base medrash, a place of learning. A large number of people were gathered there. When I saw that the numbers were getting bigger and bigger, I tried to figure out how I would be able to get into such a crowded area. So I hurried over and stood behind them. And there was a Rosh Yeshiva, a leader of the Yeshiva that was studying with them. And, and I was able to see the true glory of the Torah shining there. These brides were dancing, especially that bride that stood out from all the others. And each time that the band played a particular song, she would sing it herself afterwards. And there was true honor and respect for the Torah there. Rabbi Nezal said, I was amazed by the level of respect that was shown for the Torah there. So I spoke to some of the people that I recognized there, and I said to them, Did, have you ever seen respect for the Torah like we see here? And it would seem that they were all occupied learning the revealed Torah, learning Torah Shabbat Gemara, and not Kabbalah, not the secrets of Torah. Because as far as I could see, they were rabbis, and the Sforim, the books that they were using, <clears throat> indicated that there were these large volumes that were Gemaras, like a set of Shas, that kind of thing. Now we know that the Zohar Kodesh tells us <clears throat> that the Torah Shabal Peh, the, the written Torah, has, and there's the oral Torah. The written Torah, the five Chumashim, <clears throat> the 24 books, which include the five Chumashim, and the Nevi'im, and the Ksuvim, Yeshua, Shoftim, Shmuel, etc., etc. That's the written Torah. And then there's the oral Torah, the Torah Shabal Peh, the 60 Gemaras, Shas, as it's called, Shishim Sforim, 60 books. And these two are compared to a groom and a bride. The Torah Shabal Peh, the oral Torah, is compared to a bride. And when a person is privileged to learn these two together, to put these two together, that in addition, having learned the written Torah, now to learn the oral Torah properly, that person, the Zohar Kodesh says, that person has attained the bride. So these 60 Gemaras are referred to as brides. 
Rabbein went so far as to say that a person who's zeche, to learn the entire Shas, that person receives a Tselem Elikim, a certain much higher level of soul than a person who hasn't. And it would appear we know that Rabbein also said that each and every part of the Torah <clears throat> has its own song related to it. So it would appear that this was a vision of people who were studying Torah Shebenigra, the revealed Torah, but studying it properly and was to this, this type of level. We know that we're approaching, <clears throat> Lad Boimer is behind us. Today was the 38th day of the Oimer. <clears throat> and we're approaching the holiday of Shavuos, Shavuos is also referred to as Chasunosoi, the wedding between Hashem and the Jewish people. Taviyochal Hashem is considered the groom, Klal Yisrael the bride, and the marriage document, Iksuba, is the Torah. So that this concept of bride and groom is on, on, on several different levels. Now, Rav Nosenzal quotes a, a comment that was made by Rav Enizal, where Rav Enizal said that throughout the different holidays of the year and the different seasons, each time a new holiday comes along, I'm not where I was before. I'm in a different place. Meaning that, for example, on Hanukkah of last year, Rav Enizal said, I lit the candles and performed the mitzvahs of Hanukkah using the Torah that I was received then from Hashem. The new year, the new year on Hanukkah, I'm serving Hashem in a completely different way based on the Torah that I was given this year for Hanukkah. We know that Rabbi Nezal on the different holidays, Hanukkah, Rosh Hashanah, Shavuos, Rabbi Nezal said Torah, and each year there was different Torah, there was new Torah, new things being revealed. And Rabbi Nezal said that I'm different every single year. I'm a completely different person serving Hashem on, on the holiday with the Torah of that holiday of the new year. Just a, a comment on what we said earlier. We had mentioned about the, the tzaddik that thought of taking off, cutting off his beard and cutting off his payas in order to, to save himself from that decree. He thought there was a decree that had been issued to kill all the Jews. We find in Shulchan Aruch, in Yoredea, chapter 157, paragraph two, the halacha says that it's forbidden for a person to say that he's an idol worshiper in order that he shouldn't be killed. However, however, if the person wants that they shouldn't recognize that he's a Jew, there he's allowed to change his clothing during the, when there's a, a Xera, <clears throat> since he's not saying that I'm an idol worshiper, he's not declaring that. And there's whole, there's different, a lot of explanation on this, in terms of what's permissible, what's not permissible during the time of Zerah, if a person is permitted to disguise himself 
so that people shouldn't be able to recognize that he's a Jew and, and be able to, to get through certain situations. We find there's a Gemara where the Gemara says in Me'ila, page 18, the Gemara says there that the Romans issued a decree against the Jewish people. Sorry, page 17. The Romans issued a decree that the Jews are not allowed to observe Shabbos, that are not, not allowed to circumcise their children, and they're not allowed to keep the laws of family purity. And the Gemara says, one of the Tanoim, Rabbi Ruven ben Itzrabuli, went ahead and he said, let's go sit among the, the, the Goyim, among the Romans, and engage them in conversation and see if we can get them to remove these decrees which means obviously he had to dress up like them. He had to appear like them. So he went to them and said, let me ask you a question. If a person has an enemy, does he want the enemy to become rich or does he want the enemy to become poor? So they said, of course, they want him to become poor. So he said, then why aren't you happy that the Jews aren't working on Shabbos? It means they're going to make less money. They'll be poor. They said, you're right, you're right will nullify that decree. And they did. Then he went and said to them, a person who has an enemy, does he want the enemy to be strong or weak? They said, of course, they want the enemy to be weak. So he said, and if that's the case, what's wrong with them circumcising their children when they're eight days old? That weakens them, obviously. That makes them weaker into weaker people. They said, you're right. And they nullified that decree. Then he said, a person who has an enemy, does he want the enemy to multiply, to have more, to produce more children or less children? They said, of course, we want him to have less. So then, of course, so then why are you insisting that men should be with their wives, even when their wives are impure? If the Jews want to stay away from their wives for a couple of weeks, what's wrong? That's good. They said, you're right. And then the Gemara says at one point they recognized, they realized that he was a Jew. And they put all of those decrees, they reinstated all of those decrees. And then the Gemara goes on to say, they said, who is capable of going on a mission and getting them to, to remove these decrees completely? And all the rabbis agreed that it's Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi. He's the one who's, who's experienced in performing miracles. He's the one who should go. And they said, who should accompany him? And they said, <clears throat> So Rabbi Yossi said, no, 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 not, not willing, because would, would you want your son to get killed? You know, he said, Rabbi Shimon Bar I know that if he'll get angry, you know, one look, it'll be the end. And the Gemara goes on to say that Rabbi Shimon took it upon himself that he's not going to do anything to harm him. And the Gemara says, but despite that, he did at one point. The Gemara says when they were traveling, a question appeared, a question came up regarding a certain halacha item. And Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Yossi gave a response. So Rabbi Shimon said, I can tell from the way you responded that you're a Talmud Chacham. And, and, if, and he, he said something, Rabbi Shimon said something that brought harm to him.
So the, the Gemara continues that they saw one of the shadim coming towards them. And this shade said to them, would you like me to accompany you? And the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon cried. He burst into tears and he said, look at this. Look how the generations have changed. The shifcha of Avram Avinu, the maidservant of Avram Avinu, Hagar, when she needed a salvation, an angel came to her. An angel appeared to her three times. And I, I'm not, I'm not even seeing an angel once now. It's, a, it's one of the shadim that's coming. But he said, okay, regardless, let the solution, let the salvation come from wherever it's supposed to come. So sure enough, the Gemara says that this shade went ahead of them and entered into the princess, the daughter of the king, the Roman king, and made her crazy, made her act insane. And they tried offering doctors and everything to try to cure her. Nobody was able to cure her. And the king said, if somebody will cure her, I'll give him anything they want. So now Rabbi Shimon Bar appeared and he said to this shed to leave. And sure enough, it left and she was cured completely. So then the, the Roman king said, ask whatever you want. <clears throat> and they took him into, they took Rabbi Shimon into the treasury of the king. And he saw that letter that on which this decree against the Jewish people had been issued. And he took it and tore it up. And that's how the decree was finally removed. These stories are related a little bit to, to our discussion. Any questions? We continue. Rabbi Nassau said that on Purim, I had a certain revelation from Hashem. We know that the Torah is the name of Hashem. <clears throat> and the Torah is revealed and hidden, just like Hashem is revealed and hidden. <clears throat> and at first, the Torah uncovers its face to a person. It shows itself to a person. And afterwards, the Torah conceals itself. And somebody who wants to really get close to Hashem <clears throat> And, and devote their whole life to coming close to Hashem, that person will search and put everything they can into it to yearn, to, to be able to serve Hashem properly, to be able to get to see, to see this light of Hashem. And then in the end, the Torah will be revealed to that person completely. And Rabbi Nezal said in the beginning, I had a small revelation regarding the holiday of Purim, but it wasn't complete. It was just like a hint. And afterwards, Hashem helped me because Hashem always helped me, and it was revealed to me. I was able to understand the entire thing. The aspect of Purim that was revealed and then hidden, it's only in the highest places that this item is known. And Rabbi, Rabbi Nassau said that year, that Purim, my mission was to repair the damage that was caused by the sin of Koirach, the rebellion that Koirach staged against Moshe Rabbeinu. <clears throat> and at the time that this was revealed to me, 
I couldn't put together the connection between Purim and Koirach until Hashem helped me. Because again, the Torah has things that are very hidden. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nadal said it was revealed to me that the word Purim makes up the first letters of a Pasuk, <clears throat> where the Pasuk says, V'im mi pe'as ponov, imaret roishoi kereachu. It's speaking about different types of skin diseases that a person has. The Torah in Parshas Tazria, Mitzoyra, speaks about different types of leprosy and skin diseases. <clears throat> and there, it speaks about a certain type of disease, and it uses the word kereach, kofreishches, which is exactly the same way as koirach is spelled. And the first letters of this pasuk, ve'im mipa'as ponov, imaret roishoi, spell the word Purim, showing the connection between the holiday of Purim and Koirach. The, the literal translation there is that if his hair will fall off from the front part of his head, he's bald. And Rabbeinazal did not explain further. He didn't explain this further. <clears throat> In Likute Alochis, there are several places where Rabbeinazal does go into this a little bit. Unfortunately, I didn't prepare this. Believe that, or in the next year, maybe we'll cover the things that Rav Nosenzal writes about this in several places on the Kutei Alochis. Afterwards, Rav said that he wasn't able to sleep that entire night after speaking about this because he was sorry that he had revealed this to, his, to, to the students. But he said he consoled himself with the thought that even though he revealed it, he didn't reveal anything. He didn't really reveal what this was all about. And in fact, if you look at that Pasuk, <clears throat> it's not exactly the way Rabbi Nezal quoted it. What it does say is, Ve'im mipa'as ponov yimaret roishoi gibeachu, not kereachu, it says gibeachu. It's in the previous Pasuk, that the word kereach appears. So Rabbi Nezal, when he quoted it, wasn't actually quoting it properly in a sense. And Rabbi Nezal says, obviously this is something very mysterious, very obscure, we don't understand this. Ashrei to the person who waits for Mashiach to come, when we'll be able, we'll be given an understanding regarding Rabbi Nezal's words. Now, Rabbi Nassau continues. This next piece, <coughs> this is paragraph 11, Yud Aleph, in Sipurim Chadoshim, in this part of Chaim Aran, which tells these visions, dreams, unique things that Rabbi Nassau saw. This took place in the month of Kislev of the year Tov Kufayim, which is right before Rabbi Nassau passed away, several months before Rabbi Nassau passed away. <clears throat> a dream, Rabbi Nezal said, I was in my house, in my room, <clears throat> and no person was able to come inside. <clears throat> no one was coming in to see me. And I was surprised. So I went out to an outer room, <clears throat> and there also there was nobody there. Then I went outside to the large room, to the base medrash, 
And also there was nobody there. So I thought maybe I'll go outside into the street. And I saw that there were people standing in circles and they were whispering to each other. <clears throat> and this one was making fun of me. And this one was laughing about me. And this one showed tremendous chutzpah towards me. And even my own people, even my own students, the ones that, that were supposedly close to me, they were also against me. Some of them actually showed clear disrespect. Some of them were whispering about me. So I called one of my people and I asked them, what is this? What's going on? And they said to me, how did you do such a thing? Is it, is it, pos is it proper for somebody like you to do such a, such a terrible thing? And I had no idea what they were laughing about, what they were making fun of. So I asked this person, to gather some of the people that were close to me and, and the person left and I didn't see him again. And I thought to myself, what should I do? So I said to myself, maybe I'm gonna travel to a different country. So sure enough, I went there and there also people were standing around people and they were talking about this because because it seems they knew about it also. So I thought to myself, maybe I'll go into a forest and I'll gather five people from the people that were originally close to me. So sure enough, I did them. I went with them into the forest and we sat there. And when we needed food or something, we sent somebody to go and, and purchase what we needed. And I would ask this person, has all the commotion quieted down? Have they stopped talking about me? And he said, no, no, it's still going strong. While we were there, while we were in this forest, an elderly person came along and he called me and he said he has something to talk to me about. So I went with him and he started talking to me and he said, you could do such a thing? How aren't you ashamed and embarrassed in front of your, your, your parents, your grandparents, your, your, your Reb Nachman Haredenka, Reb Shem Tov, how, how is it that you aren't ashamed and embarrassed of the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu and Avram Yitzhak Yaakov? What do you think? You think you're going to live here in the forest? You think you're going to hide out here in the forest? You think you could stay here forever? You're going to use up all your money and you're a weak person. What are you going to do? You think you'll go to a different country? If they don't know who you are or anything, how are you going to exist there? Because nobody will give you money. And if they will know who you are, then for sure you won't be able to be there because they'll know about this. So I said to him, if that's the case, that I'm somebody that's totally rejected by everyone, hopefully I'll have Olam Haba, I'll have the future world. He said to me, Olam Haba, you think you're going to have Olam Haba? Even in Gehenna, you're not going to have a place to hide because you did such a terrible sin. So Rabbi Nezal said, I said to him, get away from me. I thought that you're going to console me. I thought you're going to give me consolation and, and, and chizuk encouragement. Now I see that you're just making me suffer more. Leave. So he left. So Rabbi Nezal said, I thought to myself while I was there, that 
I'm here such a long time, it's possible that I'll forget my learning completely. So I instructed that person that we used to send to go into the city to get food for us and things. I said to him to go bring me a safer. So he brought it. He went into the, went to the city and he came back and he didn't bring a safer. He said, it's impossible because there's no way I can tell anyone who, who wants, who, who needs the safer. And, and hidden to go in, you know, secretly, I can't find the safer. So Rabbi Nezal said, I was suffering tremendously over the fact that here I am, there's no place I can go. I'm stranded in the forest and I don't even have a safer so I can forget my learning completely. Then that elder that had come to me before came back and he was carrying a safer under his arm. So I asked him, what are you carrying there? What are you holding there? So he said, a safer. So I said, give me the safer. And he gave it to me and I took it. And I didn't know how to hold the safer. I had forgotten how to read the letters completely. It looked to me like a completely different language that I, I didn't know and like a different type of writing. And this caused me even greater suffering. And I was now I was afraid of the people that were with me, that if they find out my situation, that I can't even read or anything, could be they'll leave me. So then this elder called me again to speak to me. And I went with him and he started talking again. And he said, how, did you, how can you possibly do such a thing? How is it that you weren't embarrassed? Even in Gehenna, you're not going to have a place to hide. So I said to him, if somebody were coming from the heavenly worlds and told me something like this, I would believe him. So he said, I am coming from there. And he showed me a sign to indicate that he's coming from a very high heavenly place. So Rabbi Nezal said, then I reminded myself of this famous story with a Baal Shem Tov, where there was an incident, this is the story that's told among Hasidim, usually on Shri Shal Pesach, a story about when, when the Baal Shem Tov was trying to get to Eretz Yisrael, and there was a couple that had traveled from Berlin, from Germany, to come to see the Baal Shem Tov, because they, they were living together for years and they hadn't had children. And somebody told him, go to the Baal Shem Tov, he can help you. And they ended up meeting up with the Baal Shem Tov in Istanbul. And they prepared a fabulous Seder. It was the night of Pesach. They prepared all the food and everything the Baal Shem Tov needed for the Seder. And the Baal Shem Tov looked at them and said, I know why you're here. I want you to know that your problem is solved. You received your, your blessing meaning you will be able to have children. And the moment he said that, the Baal Shem Tov suddenly just about lost consciousness. He put his head down and, and was like disconnected from everything. And then he cried out, then I'll serve Hashem without Olam Haba. And then shortly afterwards, they saw a smile came across his face and he continued with the Seder. And the Baal Shem Tov explained to the people that as soon as he had made this statement that your problem is solved, meaning you're, you're going to have children, this caused a tremendous commotion in heaven 
because it was physically impossible for this couple to be able to produce a child. However, because the Valshenta said it as a decree, it would have to happen and it, this would force a major change in nature. So there was a response from heaven that for this, the Valshenta loses his Olam Haba. He loses all of the reward for all the mitzvahs that he's done throughout his entire life. So at first, the Valshenta was deeply disappointed. Imagine, you could imagine how hard the Valshenta had worked his whole life. But then he said to himself, wow, this puts me in a better position because now I can serve Hashem with a higher level of loyalty without having any interest in any reward. No, no reward whatsoever. And as soon as the Balshemtev came to that realization and to that commitment, the Yetzirah, the Satan, got terrified because he understood that if the Balshemtev serves Hashem like this, this is going to make the value of his mitzvahs and toivim thousands of times greater. So right away he pleaded that they should return his Olam Haba to him. So Rabbi Nassau now said, he remembered this story of the Baal Shem Tov, that at one point the Baal Shem Tov was told that he, he lost his Olam Haba. And Rabbi Nassau said, I love Hashem also. I, the Baal Shem Tov said, I love Hashem without Olam Haba. And Rabbi Nassau said that when, when he remembered this and he reviewed this for himself, he threw his head back with tremendous bitterness that, that, that look at this, what happened to the Baal Shem Tev happened to me. You know, they took away my entire, uh, everything. And Rabbi Nezal said, at that time, all of my, all of these people gathered to me, all the people that had left me before, that this elder said to me, I should be ashamed in front of these people, meaning my, my parents, my grandparents, the Avois. And they said to me, they recited a Pasuk in Yeshaya Hanavi, that the fruit of the land will be filled with glory and beauty. And they said just the opposite. We, have, we take such pride in you. And they returned all the people that had left me before. They returned all of them. And even my, my own children that had left me, everybody left and everybody gave me words of consolation. This was the vision, and Rabbi Nassau added to this, that when I threw my head back that way, in a way like just like in a, in a terrible, terrible feeling that I, I see I've lost everything, everything, Rabbi Nassau said, if a person would violate the entire Torah 800 times, if the person would throw their head back the way I did then, meaning feeling such a bitterness, such a pain, they, Hashem would definitely forgive them for all of those violations, 800 times violating the entire Torah. And Rabbi Nezal said, the rest I can't tell you, because obviously this story had a very happy ending. And, and the, the punchline of this is that Rabbi Nezal said that if even if he would violate the entire Torah 800 times, he would have the ability to make a comeback and to be able to repair, to be able to correct, to be able to fix everything. 
And this is tied into that incredible statement that Rabbein Hazal made for us and for himself of Ein Shum Yish Ba'olam Klau, that there's no such thing as giving up. And the Satan, the Yitzhahara, sometimes is given permission to make it seem to a person like the person lost everything, everything, everything. And if the person doesn't give up, if they don't quit, if they don't go into depression, here Rabbi Nezal threw his head back in not, not coming from depression, but in a sense, in a scream, Oi, Oi, Hashem, save me, help me. Everything turned around completely. He saw that it was all a mirage in a sense, that the horror was, made, made, was able to make it seem as if he lost everything, he forfeited everything, everything. But if, if he wouldn't give up, he would, everything would be restored. Everything would be restored. We see this in the story of Eoiv also, that Eoiv went through tremendous, tremendous difficulties and losses and losses. And in the end, the Torah tells us that it was returned to him with interest, with, with, with addition. And this is an incredible, important message for us to know that, to, to know and expect that we're going to have challenges, we're going to have difficulties, and we're going to have, we're going to fall at times. And even if a person falls, and it seems that the person and a per person sees in the Torah, it says a person has this kind of fall, they forfeit it, they lose everything. They lose everything. Still, Rabbi Nezal gave us this incredible, incredible statement that there's no such thing as giving up. That even where there are certain sins where the Zohar Kodesh says that this causes irreparable damage. And Rabbi Nezal said that that's being said as a test for a person, a test for a person to read those words. And those people that if they want, they want to have an excuse to quit, they'll say, look what it says. I can't fix. I'm going to leave. Like Acher. But if a person accepts the, the guidance of the tzaddik, the true tzaddik, who says, there's no such thing as giving up. And a person makes a sincere effort to, to come back to Hashem, to return to Hashem, the person will see that everything, everything can be repaired. And the arida is tachles aliyah. The fact that they took this fall, that'll serve as a springboard for the person to reach new heights. We know that right now we're going through a period, Spira Soimer, where we're told that during the time of the during the time of the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash, usually a korban mincha was brought from wheat. There were only two instances where the korban mincha was barley. One is a wife who, who acted in a disloyal manner to her husband, where her, she was associating with another man. And her husband warned her repeatedly, I don't want you associating with that man. And she went ahead and secluded herself with, <clears throat> with that man in a manner where it, it would have been possible for her to actually commit a sin with that man. She's forced to bring a korban mincha from barley, a minchas kenois. <clears throat> That's the only, and the Gemara says, why barley? Wheat is referred to as human food. Barley compared to wheat is referred to as animal food. And the Gemara says she, she behaved like an animal. She didn't use human intellect. She wasn't using her brains in a sense. <clears throat> so her carbon is the carbon of, of, of an animal, Michael Behema. And so too, 
after Pesach, we know that we're told that when the Jews went out of Egypt on the night of Pesach, Hashem revealed an incredible, incredible high light to the Jewish people at that time, which is what gave us the ability to get out of Egypt, to be rescued and come out of the tomb of Egypt <clears throat> and eventually cross the Red Sea and get to Har Sinai, receive the Torah and eventually get to Eretz Yisrael. But we're told that that light lasted only that first night, the night of the Seder of Pesach. And the following day, we start counting the Omer. We start counting sphere of 49 days. And we're told that, and the Omer, the, on, on the second day of Pesach is when the Jews brought, a, again, a mincha of barley. And we're told that this is because, and this goes part, ties in beautifully with the beginning of today's shir. We spoke about the tzaddik, the person connecting with the tzaddik, and the tzaddik can take the person to a very high place, but then the person sees they're back home, they're back in their house, and then they're back up in a high place, and then they're back home, meaning that even though a Jew experiences a high sometimes, a very big high, if it's not something that a person really worked for, it's Hashem or the tzaddik giving the person a gift, a freebie gift, to take them up to that place, to, get, to get, get them to be able to see and experience what could be if they will work, if they'll really work very, very hard and, and come close to the tzaddik who has the ability to help them climb that ladder to go all the way to the top. But afterwards, the person is put back down. They're put back down to the behemoth, to the status of behemoth, what they were originally. And then the, we count these 49 days these seven weeks, which correspond to the seven days that a woman has to go through purification. When a woman is tummy, she goes through seven days. She has to be pure, clean for seven days before she can be reunited with her husband. We said that Shavuos night is a wedding and Claudius Royal is going through this seven-week purification during the, the Oymer, where Hashem expects us to make an effort, each one of us on our level, to purify ourselves, to get closer to Hashem, to get closer to the tzaddik. We believe, we believe, in the words of Rabbi Nezal, that despite all of our yeridos, despite all of our nefilos, despite all of our falls, <clears throat> if we don't give up, if we keep trying, and especially following the advice and guidance of the tzaddik, we'll, we will be zeichet to get to the finish line. <clears throat> we'll get to Shavuos. The Zohar Kodesh says that Pesach, is the beginning of the Geula. The Gemara says, During the month of Nisan is when the Jews were taken out of Egypt, and during the month of Nisan is when the final redemption is going to be. But the Zohar Kodesh points out, it will begin in Nisan, but the conclusion, the final conclusion, will be with the holiday of Shavuos. We should be Zohar to see the final Geula Shlema the becoming of Mashiach, the building of the third and final base. Amen. 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 Any questions? Amen. Uh, Rabbi Maimon, uh, uh, Rabbi Nachman is said to have had a number of times where he went up to heaven in there, and I always assumed those were in uh, the when he was asleep or so, that he had a way of doing that or so. So does this kind of show us something different with, because like his sleep, well, obviously he was sleep, thinking Torah all day. And so all these had so much uh, sodos and what he said, but 
the fact that he also could uh, have the go up in his sleep with his dreams. Does that have any additional significance with what we're learning right now? The answer is that that Sadiqim have dreams and their dreams are meaningful. The dreams have important messages for them or sometimes important messages that they can share with Klal Yisrael. Even, even a world leader, a king, when a king has a dream, like in the case of Paroi, his dream wasn't something personal. It was something with a message for the entire country, for the entire world at the time. So again, there are different, Sadiqim get different messages during their dreams. The Arizal writes about how he was able to visit the different yeshivas in heaven when he was asleep. Rabbein Azal revealed some of these dreams, some of these visions, and especially this one, to give us an idea of the type of yurida and the feeler that a person can experience in life, that a person can fall to a place where the person feels they have no place, there's nowhere to go, there's, they're so ashamed and embarrassed, there's no, they, they can't be anywhere. And if, when a person is in that state, the person doesn't give up, but the person cries out to Hashem, you know, coming from that place of bitterness, but not depression, broken heart, the person cries out to Hashem, everything can turn around. So th this was the message that he received this time. Obviously, there's a lot of things that he saw that he didn't reveal, that he didn't tell us about. But we're given some inklings, Rabbein Azal did reveal some of the things that he saw.